This is the Mailbox Money Podcast, and I am Bronson Hill. As a busy professional, I wrestled with how to grow my income without taking up more of my precious time. I learned that managing real estate, actively trading stocks, or being unable to scale up investments is not passive investing. This is the place where you'll discover new asset classes, develop investing skills, and learn from experts how to become financially free with less work than you thought possible. And now, get ready for truly passive income. So how do you raise money for real estate deals and stay out of prison? Those are two good things, and it's really important to know how to do that safely and legally. And so um, you know, a lot of people don't realize there are legal risks involved when you start taking investors' money. And I used to be an investment advisor, registered investment advisor for several years. I'm no longer one now, but I do know there's a lot around making sure that investors' money is handled a certain way. Uh, my guest today, Mike Morosky, is an awesome guy, has a great story to tell. I think you're really going to like it. He just you know, had $285 million in real estate, uh, had some things happen, really hit rock bottom, and now he's helping to coach other people and do deals in a way that is just really gives great returns to investors. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. So Mike, welcome. How are you today? I'm great, Bronson. Thanks. I've been really looking forward to uh, to our time together here. So, yeah, me too. Me too. Really excited to have you. I think your story, just the way you share it, is uh, it really gives a lot of insight and a lot of you know things that people don't really uh, think about. A lot of when they start taking money from investors. So why don't you just start out? Just give us a, an overview of your story and kind of uh, you know maybe just take two minutes and talk about two three minutes. Talk about kind of how you got where you're at now. Yeah. So one comment I'd like to make first, though, you kind of alluded to this in the introduction, but when we raise money, we are held at a much higher standard and we're looked at differently and we're looked at differently by not only the investor who puts money with us, but our partners by uh, governing agencies and the way that we do it. So I think people always need to understand, you know, you can go raise money. There's not a problem with that. Just make sure you're doing it right and you're very transparent about it. So, yeah. you know, my my background, Bronson, I've been in the real estate business for 30 years. Uh, I started out as a sales agent. I know I only look like I'm 29. So how can I? <laughs> 29 and holding, Mike, 29 and holding. I uh, I started out as a real estate sales agent. And it's interesting because I, I got in the business. I by accident, I think really, I was in the construction business. I woke up one morning, looked at my wife at the time and I said, I'm burnt out, I can't do this anymore. And I was still banging nails and selling jobs and scheduling guys and, and show, you know, doing everything that goes on in any business, right? But my business had gotten so big that it got, had was tough to do. Fortunately, I had somebody knocking on my door who wanted to buy the company. I said to my wife, I said, I'm selling it sold the company, took a year off. Uh, during that year, her and I house hacked. And now Bronson, this is long before it was sexy, right? <laughs> we were house hacking, she's screaming at me about the nails on the floor. Today, people just live like that, right? Yeah. So, um, but along the way, I met a real estate agent who was really successful. He was really good at what he did. And I went to him and I said, hey, Todd, I'm thinking about going in the business. And he said, Mike, I think you'd be great at it. And he encouraged me. 
I said, so could I shadow you? I, you know, I've always believed success leaves clues. That's why these podcasts are so great, right? Yeah. Listen to it over and over again. Pick up the golden nuggets, the insider mm -hmm. secrets, right? And so he said, I'm going to do one better than you shadowing me. I'm going to make you a cassette tape. And I listened to that over and over and over again. I basically burned it out. And I went in the real estate business. My first nine months in the business, I sold 78 houses. I was Remax wow. Rookie of the Year that year. I sold, I went on to build a team selling 125 listings a year and did that for about 10 years consecutively. Wow. Um, so 2005 starts to roll up and I'm looking, saying something's not right here. I'm a big Henry Dent fan, read his book and listened to him and you know, a couple other economists. I've always been one of these guys. I like to listen to the economists and try to see what's coming down the down the road. Boy, I just knew something was going to change. The housing market was really high, a lot like it is today. Uh, there was a shortage of housing, a lot like it is today. Uh, I think there's red flags today in comparison to some of those past years. Sure. And um, I, so I decided to go in the apartment business. And, you know, it wasn't like I just woke up and said, I'm going in the apartment business, but I um, had watched a couple of large syndicators in Chicago over the years. So I understood you, you raise private equity, you marry it with a great real estate deal, you stay in the middle, everybody makes money as long as everything goes well. So I went in the apartment business, 2005, I raised $18 million, wow. I bought $60 million worth of real estate. I did that in 30 months it was about 4,000 units wow scaled a, a vertically integrated a property management company managing 7,500 units wow. was, we we're probably valued at about a hundred million dollars in in value as a company size yeah and that's and that's in uh that was a while ago so now i'm thinking 4,000 units i mean that could have been two three times as much now i mean it's oh. just that's a big yeah Easy. I, I wrote a book called Exit Plan and a guy read it on the way home. Uh, I took a red eye one night from California to New York, gets home, gets off the plane. He calls me, he goes, did you really buy this deal at a 13 cap? I said, yeah. He goes, what's it trading at today? I said, like a four. I knew some, somebody we know just bought this deal that I wow. own that I wrote, wrote about in this book. It's kind of funny. Isn't that amazing? That's so funny. Yeah, 13 cap. I think we're hearing about 10 caps occasionally like several years ago, three or four years ago, you'd hear about something in a small town somewhere as a 10 cap, but then even then, was it truly a 10 cap? Anyway, so yeah, so it was a different time then. So you developed, you had this big empire and you got to 285 million in real estate, right? Yeah. And then tell us what happened. So 2005, I buy all this real estate, scale a company way too fast, very uh, unstable. And, and I want people to take note of the mistakes because I'll, I'll call them out and I'll talk about them along the way here. But I grew way too fast. 2007, I closed 17 deals for 2,700 units, barely had time to breathe. Listen, there's no, no, no problem with growing fast. Just make sure that you're cleaning the mess up along mm -hmm. the way because you leave a mess. Mm -hmm. And I thought I had a team behind me that was, you know, working the business plan that we developed and it wasn't happening like we planned it mm. and i didn't pay attention to the details around that so i was um i grew too fast i was very unstable i was undercapitalized, and i was over leveraged 
So I bought $60 million worth of real estate at 15% down. I was 85% loan to value. Bronson, I don't know who was wrong, me for taking the money or the bank for giving it to me. Because, you know, you should be at least 65 to 75% loan to value on a deal. And today we're underwriting at 65%. And I'm not going to go north of that. Um, So that's just my own, you know, safety that play that I'm putting in there. And you do you do that so that in case there's a drop in value in the property or rents drop, you're still you still stay solvent. You're not giving me a place where you're pinched. Were these fixed rate kind of agency debt or were these kind of flexible uh, rate mortgages or like you know on these kind of a, the multifamily debt on it? Yeah, so uh, I had a big footprint in the Dallas Fort Worth market. In that market, it was all fixed rate agency stuff. But then we had some properties in the Ohio Valley. I owned about 1,800 units between Cincinnati, uh, Indianapolis, and Dayton in that uh, corridor. And um, that was a, most of that was swap debt stuff. So okay. that was re, that was a, through a regional bank, and it was all swap notes. So and that was that was a that was an adjustable rate kind of stuff that was going on in the. It was a nightmare. Yeah. We could never yeah. catch it from month to month and quarter. Wow order it was crazy but um yeah i'm a you know i'm not so much a fixed rate guy i'd rather have a floating rate but right you, know, you just got to know how to watch it so right sure okay so so yeah so you have all this you got um you know kind of it wasn't being operated the way that you saw that it needed to be and then of course the market cooled off a bit in that right about that time right right around 2005 2006 so yeah, we got into 2008. I remember having lunch with my CFO at the time and we were sitting and the news happened to be on in this restaurant we were in and we were watching people carrying boxes out of Lehman Brothers by the droves. Yeah. And I looked at him across the table and I said, we're screwed, aren't we? He goes, yeah, we're in big trouble. Oh no. So we saw it coming. I didn't really know what that meant, but it, there were going to be problems. And And I always thought, you know, I said, well, Hey, you know, I've seen recessions, right? They last 17 or 18 months. There's a 10 or 12% correction in the market. They bounce back. I thought everything would be good. Well, this thing lasted seven or eight years, 40% correction in the market, kind of hard to weather the storm. So I'd grown really unstable, really way too fast. I had 38 companies, 138 people that worked for me. Wow. I saw that... um, uh, I had a dozen deals that I should have just let go to foreclosure and those right. investors get hurt, but I never wanted anybody to get hurt. So I started moving money back and forth between companies from my non, from my profitable to my non-profitable companies. And my accountant and my attorney both said, it's okay to do that. Just leave mm-hmm. a paper trail. And uh, when the markets come back, put the money back. Well, I didn't disclose it to my investors. So because of non-disclosure, I wound up being charged on wire fraud and mail fraud charges and sentenced wow. to 10 years in federal prison. Before you tell the next part of the story here, so so you basically, you consulted with your attorney and your account. They said, it's fine to do this, mm-hmm. but you didn't disclose it to your investor. So basically, it was almost like a loan that you were taking from another property to help manage the other one, right? But Correct. you didn't disclose that. And that was... And, and that could have been an email or mailing something or whatever, but they just, the investors didn't know this was happening. So remember I said at the beginning, we're held at a much higher standard. Yeah. We have to yeah. be more transparent. 
And so I want people to take heed to that, that, you know, be transparent, go to your investors and tell you, you know, Bronson, if I would have come to you and said, hey, you're in this deal and this deal, we're going to take money from A and put it in B to try and prop it up. I think the market's going to come back, right? And when the market comes back, we'll be able to, to satisfy everything, but you're not going to get any returns along the way. And if I would have just went to my investors and done that, wow. you would have signed off and said it was okay. There would be no problem, but right. because, you know, uh, because I didn't disclose it because I didn't tell anybody we wound up, you know, so, so yeah. So would that have had to be a vote Would the investors have had to vote that this, so they would have had to vote and said, this is okay to do this, but because that didn't happen, you said you were sentenced to 10 years and tell us what happened next. I mean, I mean, what, what were, were your feelings? I mean, was it just, oh my gosh, like, how did this happen? Yeah, I imagine. Exactly. So, you know, I get, I get sentenced to 10 years in federal prison. Um, and I, I always tell people, Bronson, I say, I go from this lifestyle of, um, being the neighborhood baseball coach. Um, I never flew private. I didn't have a, a boat. I didn't have a big house, a fancy car. I was the neighborhood baseball coach. I was home every night for dinner. My wife and I had a great marriage. We were best friends. I get ripped from that to live in a 12 by 12 room with three men I don't know, nor did I like. Uh, three green outfits and five pairs of cardboard underpants. And I wondered what the hell happened in my life. Mm. And so um, I walked around every day wondering how am I going to get through today, much less 10 years. And I was probably in prison about 17 days and my wife decided she was going to divorce me. And mm. it wrecked me. Um, mm. I didn't know from minute to minute, day to day, what I was going to do. Thank God there were a couple guys around that kind of propped me up, helped me along, walked with me, you know, put their arm around me, said, well, you're going to make it. Um, but I walked into the gym. I'm probably in prison about six weeks now. And I walk into the gym and, and I always pre-qualify this. I say that I was only window shopping. I'd gone from running marathons to being 35 pounds overweight and absolutely hating myself and didn't know what to do. So I, I get to um, I get in the gym this day and this guy walks up to me and he says, hey, he goes, don't let these people beat you. All they want to do is take everything from you you've ever known. They can take your real estate. They can take your company. They can take your apartments and money. They can destroy your family, but what they can't take is who you are and what you're made of. And, you know, we all have these defining moments in our life, right? We have these times in our life where something happens and we go, man, maybe so. He said, uh, he says, I challenge you, come to this gym every day, start working out, start losing weight. You'll start to feel better. When you start to feel better, then your life will start to change. You'll yeah. see. I said, okay, I'll take you up on it. I started going to the gym. I started working out. I started to feel better. I wound up going to college. I took a four-year course and in, in, uh, got a bachelor's degree in theology. Mm. I, I wrote two books while I was gone, uh, one on property management and one on uh, multifamily investing. Mm. Actually, I have a book exit plan. You can see it behind me there. Um, I'd love to give a copy away to your listeners at the end of the show. Um, and uh, I wrote a, um, two home study courses, and then I wrote an ethics course, and I taught real estate, property management, and ethics in prison for six years. How ironic, and 
a federal inmate teaching ethics, right? Um, mm. The irony of that. But yeah. then I, um, I, I was on an outreach program. I had the opportunity to go in the community and tell my story like 40 times to local businesses and small business owners. Wow. Um, I met a professor from the University of Minnesota, and he and I co-authored a paper that got published this year in the Business Journal of Ethics and gets mm. taught at the collegiate level for forensic accounting and sales and marketing mm. classes. You, I want to stop you for just one sec, Mike. So, yeah, I just, you know, gosh, I mean, you share the story and it's hard not to really feel for you. And you, like you said, you go and you lost everything. You lost all the money. You lost your wife. You lost your whole life, really. And yet, uh, you know, it's not, you know, you found faith and you found, you know, really a, a direction and you were able to help other people. And I just, I really commend you for not only going through that, but also really sharing your story. Because I think when we share these stories that, um, you know, there, there is redemption in our stories if we allow it to happen. And for you, it's happened. And it's, um, it's, it's amazing to see how, you know, your life is, um, you know, I just feel like I have, I have a, thought that, you know, God doesn't waste anything, right? Like there's this, like there's, there's a plan, even when terrible things happen, even when we go through something really difficult, um, there's always a plan. And, and we can easily miss the silver lining if we get bitter, we get angry, whatever. And I have my own tragedies I've been through, but um, I just love that you share your story because it gives opportunity to be able to, for others to share their story. And also to understand too, when you take funds, and that's something I've, you know, your story is very, uh, harrowing and, and sobering for myself and anybody else who, who manages money, that your, your intent was not malintent. It was just something, oh, there was something that, oh, I needed to do this in this way. And sometimes, you know, there are certain times it's better to, to ask for forgiveness later, but in this kind of situation, you have to make sure that things are done the correct way. And, and so I'm sorry you went through that. It sounds really, um, you know, terrible, but I know it's given you a lot of, I guess your soul has gotten enlarged because of that. So can you talk a little bit, um, more about kind of what you're doing now and how you're helping others. And just like you said, you're, you're writing papers and books and going to teach lo local business leaders and things. But talk to us about, you know, you, you do live events, you have students. Uh, you actually, we, I talk with a lot of your students and they love you because you share your story and you've helped so many people do so many things. And so uh, talk a little bit about your programs that you offer. Sure. Thanks, Bronson. Yeah. I'm I came home and, you know, I'm in the coaching and training space today. I actually came home the week they closed the world down for the pandemic. Welcome. So welcome back. Home. Yeah. <laughs> the world's welcome, ending. Welcome back. One person <laughs> into another, right? So, um, you know, but this is so classic because I think so many people are trapped in some prison in their own mind, right? Mm. They're trapped in addiction. They're trapped in, yeah. you know, pornography. They're trapped in something that, you know, just holds them captive, right? Mm. You could, they could be trapped in a bad marriage and a divorce. And, in you know, there, there's so many things that people are trapped in that you've got to take some initiative and get out. And, and that guy who said to me in the gym that day, don't let these people beat you. Mm. Success is the best revenge. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm at this because I want to carry a message. I want the world to hear my story uh, because it, I provide hope and inspiration in mm. that story. I think there's through the success, the loss and the redemption uh, track that I'm on, it shows people that you don't have to be captive to the prison of your mind. You don't have to be a victim of your past. Your yeah. your past does not define you, right? Yeah. Um, you know, people say, how do you do it? I say, 
pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You know, somebody said to me one day, put your big boy pants on. And I went, damn, don't <laughs> talk to me like that. <laughs> you offended me, like, but in a good way, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know but right. You know, and it's it's like um, there, there's not much that bothers me today. You know, I was mm. I'm a, when I was getting the real estate business years and years ago. Right. I was I was a prospector. I get on the phone. I picked up the phone. I made 20,000 dials a year to sell 125 houses a year. So I knew my numbers and it's the same way today, you know, get, put yourself out there, do what most people won't do. Right. Yeah. So. You said, you said two things I want to hone in on. And I think this is true for anyone. Um, you know, the first is that we are limited really by our own thoughts and our own mind and our background and what's happened to us. Well, sometimes that's how we interpret what life is right now and what life is going to be. And whether you're a spiritual person or not, there is a way to transform your mind so that you look at obstacles as things that you go through and they make you stronger. And, you know, having big goals and doing things just because you've never done it doesn't mean you can't do it. So whether you want to retire with passive income, you want to quit your corporate job, you want to do syndication like Mike and I and, do, you know, do big deals and all that, you can do any of it. There's nothing anybody's doing that you could not do. And so that's something that I take away from that. And then you said something else. Uh, oh, that basically life, and this is this is a saying that I have: is that life has an action bias. You can have great ideas, you can have great thoughts, but if you don't take action, then nothing's going to happen. And so, if you don't know what to do, just take some action. It's going to be better than no action. You go to meetups, go to conferences, start talking to people, underwrite deals, whatever you start doing. Once when you figure it out on the way, and I've just I'm I'm totally a product of that. And I know you are as well, Mike, because you've just, you've written multiple books. You just, just, I mean, I see all the things you're doing. You have two podcasts now, right? So you got multiple okay. things that you're doing. So you're definitely an inspiration. Um, so let's talk real quick. Let's shift gears a little bit, um, just to a little more about multifamily. And you kind of alluded to this in your story, but where do you see multifamily headed now as inflation is rising and Fed's talking about raising rates and, you know, people are you know, getting, is this going to continue or cap rates going to continue to go down? Are we going to go back to 13 cap rates? Like what, what's going what's to happen? How do you foresee things kind of going? Yeah, well, you know, I don't, we're not going to go back to 13 caps. That's for sure. <laughs> um, that's right. I, I, you know, I'm not an economist. I'm not an accountant, um, but I pay attention to a lot of, of what's being said. And I ask the same question of people on my podcasts, right? Because right. I want to know what people's perception is, because we really drive what happens. And if people's perception is that, um, it, you know, it's going to go up or it's going to go down, that's kind of what's going to happen. Now, I've read some reports recently, especially on the Florida market, because I'm I'm pretty bullish on on South Central Florida right now. Sure. And what I'm what I'm seeing is that this year 2020 this year coming up 2022 we'll probably see cap uh we'll see rent growth you know up about 15 percent. that's amazing i think in 2023 we're going to see rent growth around 13 percent. yeah we're in jacksonville we're seeing almost 11 percent year over year yeah. rent growth which is insane and if you own there i mean we're seeing properties we bought less than 12 months ago we've you know it's crazy we're getting offers that are 30 percent more than what we paid for it it's yeah. crazy I know we we bought, we're we're getting ready to close a deal in Tampa that we bought a number of months ago and we had a lender glitch along the way and we bought it at a five cap today it's like a four and a quarter and we, wow we and we haven't even done it we don't even have to do anything to it right mm. so 
Um, you know, I, at this point, I'm sure we're, the seller's hoping the deal falls out and, but it won't, you know, we're raising equity on it. So um, it's, you know, I think we're going to continue to see a cap rate compression. I, t I, I think I told you before the show, I just wrote underwrote a deal that was like a two and a half cap. Um, and, it, you know, I never thought that they, when they were at five, I was saying, are you kidding me? They can't go much lower than this. And, you know, now they're, they're down to two and three. Mm. Uh, you know, if you look at Germany, Germany's had sub threes for 12 years. Mm -hmm. How long are we going to stay here? I don't know. Um, I know that my underwriting today is is always a um, defensive place that I'm at. And I have a partner that's very conservative. And he and I, you know, kind of do this a little bit from mm -hmm. time to time. But it's good, right? Because because yeah. we keep each other in check. And yeah. I'm, I'm, if I buy a deal today at a four, I think it's going to be a three in, in two years from now, and then it's going to come back up. I think we'll see rent growth come up after the election or come down after the election. Here, here's the thing. What market are you going into? You got to look at that, too, because of the population migration, you know, in the yeah. Floridas and Texas and Phoenix. You got big population migration. But if you're in the Midwest, you know, not so much. So, you yeah. know. Where are you buying and how are you how are you underwriting your deals? And and I do a lot of teaching with my coaching clients around underwriting and how to look at that. And I tell people, hey, look, whether you're a passive investor or an active investor, you need to understand this and you should be, uh, you know, involved in underwriting to to know, to understand the metrics, the fundamentals. Yeah. And we were talking, we just did an Instagram live recently, you and I, Mike, but just the idea that, you know, it's education is so, so important, particularly if you're a passive investor, because you need to know, you won't be able to understand kind of what the assumptions are. And when you look at a deal, you need to know, is this conservative or is it not? Or what really is the business plan? What could go wrong? And making sure that you really understand that. Yeah. And I, like Warren Buffett, he says, you know, we don't invest in anything we don't really understand. And so, um, it's, it's a time to, you know, if you don't understand, ask the questions, get on a call with a, somebody who's offering the deal. I mean, they will always get on a call and talk you through it. If they don't, then move on to the next deal. Um, but you know, there are, there are plenty of deals out there. There are plenty of great operators and, uh, how we learn is through, through really asking questions and kind of walking through that. So, um, well, this has been great, Mike. I know we could, we could talk for a really long time. I want you just to touch base on your book, uh, Exit Plan, which is obviously in the background yeah. there. Um, can you just uh, you just share what people can expect from your book? Yeah, sure. So I wrote the book because I, the quote I make in the book is I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on coaching and training and books and tapes over the years. And people say, quantify that. Well, personally, personal coaching, 20 years at $1,000 a month, you do the math, right? Yeah. So um, I, and, and, I've been trained and taught by some really good coaches and really good trainers. And there are some in the industry today that are really good, but here's what people teach you. They teach you how to find a deal, buy a deal, get in a deal, operate a deal. Nobody teaches you how to get out. Yeah. And I wanted people to understand mm. the fundamentals around maximizing your profit and getting out of a deal and exiting doesn't mean you're selling out. There's other ways to exit. So I want people to, you know, Hey, listen, if you want a copy of the book, um, you can download a free copy uh, at um, mycoreintentions.com forward slash exit plan. Or you could go to Amazon and buy a, a book if you want to dog ear the pages and highlight it and read like I like to read that 
active reader in me, but you uh, go download a free copy for yourself. That's awesome. Well, I encourage everybody uh, joining us to, to go to mycorententions.com and download the free book. I need to go actually download it as well. I haven't read it yet, so I got to read it. But I do think an exit plan is really important. We're seeing that now that a lot of deals are selling early, earlier than expected, you know, rather than a five-year hold, they're selling a year two or three because of the market. Uh, but it is important to look at, and it's important of also as a passive investor to consider that. So, uh, Mike, I just wanted to honor you for really sharing your story. I mean, there's a lot of power in that. And I think uh, I personally just believe when we share things we've been through, especially if they're challenging, hard things that a lot of people don't talk about, uh, we all grow and we learn from that. You know, it's said that a wise man learns from his own mistakes, but a genius learns from the mistakes of others. And so we can all learn from what you went through. So I want to thank you for opening up and sharing that. I want to encourage anybody who's interested to reach out to Mike in regards to coaching or his live events that he does. But thanks again for joining us, Mike. Really appreciate it. Hey, Bronson, I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're doing great work and uh, look forward to staying in touch. Thanks so much. Well, I just really enjoyed this interview. I really like Mike Morawski because he shares a story. And I think all of us have things we go through where if we shared them, we'd feel ashamed or we might feel like, oh man, how can I share this with people? But um, it's that idea that when we share you know, things that we go through, we can learn from each other. And so I've just so appreciated Mike for that reason. Um, so for you, uh, you know, I, again, whatever you've been through, I think one of the takeaways that I got from this as well was really the idea of mindset and wherever you're at it. For me, I did my great corporate job, you know, making high six figure income, uh, over $200,000 a year. And I was working 30 hours a week and, and I just, it was comfortable for me, right? I didn't want to leave because it was so comfortable, but, um, I, I wish I had left sooner. I wish I had started sooner. I wish I had been willing to take some chances and some risks to get involved or at least to go get educated. And yes, it does cost time. And yes, time is valuable. But uh, over time, I realized that passive income or real estate income is superior to other types of income because of all the tax benefits, because of higher returns. And you actually own an asset that, especially in a time of inflation, it really is, is protected. And so I encourage wherever you're at just to get, you know, continue to educate yourself with things like this. Uh, you know, I have my free report, on my website, bronsonequity.com talks about the benefits of multifamily. If you haven't checked that out, check that out yet. Uh, and you know, shoot me an email. If, if you have anything that you want to hear about on these or anything that particularly impacted you, you can find me on social media. You can also find me, you can send me an email at bronson at bronsonequity.com. But anyway, I hope you enjoyed this. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. You've been listening to the Mailbox Money Podcast. For more free resources, articles, and videos, go to bronsonequity.com. There you can download your copy of the special report, The Single Best Investment Strategy During and After a Pandemic. None of the information shared here is an offer to buy a specific investment, and this is for educational purposes only. Consult your financial, legal, and tax professionals and use your own common sense before making any investment decisions. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to tune in next time for more Mailbox Money.